When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. You're listening to Bookmark, the Young Adult Book Podcast brought to you by Bookstacked.com. This is episode 32 and we're sitting down with best-selling author Eileen Aaron to talk independent publishing and trends in YA. We've got that coming up, so stay with us. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We have a very special guest. Before we introduce her, let's just let everyone know I'm on the show today, Saul, and we also have Michael. Hi, everyone. Hello. Yep. And that's everyone from Bookstacked. But again, we have a great and awesome guest here today, and that is Eileen Aaron. Hi. (laughs) Eileen is, I believe, a USA Today bestselling author. That's right. And she's written a lot of books. And so I think before we go any further, just why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your books as well. My name is Eileen Aaron, as we've covered. Um, I write uh, young adult, uh, paranormal, and sci- sci-fi. Um, my newest book is Off Planet. It's a young adult space opera. So it's got space travel and aliens and all kinds of fun theatrics like that. And I've been obsessed with books for forever and, and turned it into a writing career, which is always super fun. <laughs> Definitely the dream, right? <laughs> it's, it's the dream. So I'm, I'm super stoked that I was able to do that. For sure. We're so excited to have you on the show. We got lots of questions. And the reason we have Eileen on the show today is for her to talk to us a little bit about some of the trends that pop up in YA. Um, I know she's going to share with us a bit about her story and getting books published and also a bit about indie publishing because she's an independent author. So yeah, a lot of stuff to cover. Very excited. But first, let's go to our usual segment, What Are You Reading?, Uh, where we just share what books we're reading and kind of what we're thinking about them. So Eileen, would you like to start off and maybe share what books you're reading right now? Right now, I'm actually rereading for the millionth time Sarah J. Moss's Court series. I'm kind of obsessed with it, (laughs) just a little bit. Um, I just love it. I love the the whole progression through the three books and and then the fourth book with the different, like, spin-offs with the different characters. I loved it. So I'm I'm rereading it for the millionth time, I think. <laughs> I actually met Sarah J. Mass once when she was uh, over here in Glasgow. She's yeah. Like one of, she's one of the nicest people. Like one of the nicest authors I've ever met. Oh, that's yeah. amazing to hear. I love it when I like yeah. when I hear yeah. that an author is super sweet. Michael, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm still reading Prior of the Orange Tree, which I was reading last time. I was like <laughs> It's been a really long time. I think I'm going to be reading it for the rest of my life. It's such a long book. I'm also reading Daisy Jones and the Six, which was quite a popular book that came out in the last few weeks. 
that's really good. It's really unique. It's it's like not a narrative. It's like written sort of documentary style, where it's just the characters like speaking. But it's really, really interesting. Right now, I think last time I mentioned that I was going to be reading Christopher Paolini's new book, and I I finally did that. And I also mentioned that I was reading Ursula Le Guin. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't finish <laughs> Wizard of Earthsea. I'm still reading it. <laughs> I'm almost done. Just got a it's bit a behind. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really liking it. And I just love her writing style. There's something mm-hmm. so like, I think I said it before, kind of feels like fairy tale-ish. She just does a good job at, at bringing that in. And then after that, I'm not sure what I'm reading next. I have like this huge list of books in my audible queue that I just haven't started. Uh, So I don't know. I'm thinking maybe Mistborn or Pierce Brown's finishing Pierce Brown's Red Rising series. But also, yeah, I just have Morning Star to read, I think. Although I think he's published a couple more since then. So I'm actually a lot more behind. Yeah, there's another one coming out soon, I think, in the next few months. The fifth fifth book, I think, in the series. Now would be a good time probably for me to jump in on that. <laughs> but also I know Red Queen's coming out with like a follow-up series, uh, Victoria Aviar's Red Queen. It's coming out with a follow-up book with like short stories in a couple weeks. So I'll probably be picking that up as well. But yeah, a lot of books to read and just not enough time. <laughs> well, we're going to jump straight into our conversation with Eileen. And again, there's a lot that we can cover and stuff, but- <laughs> I think just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience getting into the publishing industry? I know when your publicist reached out and she kind of sent us that one sheet, she talked a bit about how you kind of ran into some difficulty initially because of maybe like Twilight. And yeah, I don't know. Could you talk a bit about that experience and everything? Well, I was getting my MFA and I needed something to write about. I am a big urban fantasy lover. I just absolutely adored it. I watched Buffy, the original movie in the movie theater and became like obsessed with it. I was like 13 or something. (laughs) And I really, really loved that original movie, even though it's like pretty terrible. (laughs) Um, But I love the strong female heroine. And then I got obsessed with the TV show. And from there, I got into the books of um, Laurel K. Hamilton, her uh, Nita Blake series. And so when I was in my MFA and I kind of showed up. I didn't realize because I'm, I, I just wasn't super prepared. I just decided to go on a whim. I had written a book and and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know how to fix it. It's a terrible book. I know that, but it's a finished book and I should be able to fix it somehow. So, um, so I showed up at my MFA. I was like, how do I write a book that's actually good? And they were like, okay, well, we're going to start with a new book. So what's your idea for your next book? And I was like, I have no idea, but I love urban fantasy. So I was like, all right, everybody's doing vampires right now. I'm going to do werewolves. But then once I got into my MFA and going to different cons and everything, every single acquiring editor at, at every publisher, every agent was saying, Twilight's already come out. If you send us a vampire or werewolf book, like we're not going to read it. We hate it. We don't want to read it. Like we're done. I was just like, seriously? But I love the genre. Like Twilight didn't isn't like the end of a whole genre. That's just not, that didn't make sense to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish writing the book and I'm just going to go indie. Cause that was right when it was changing from like self-publishing, which was super taboo and not cool at all to do and transitioning into indie publishing, which was a little bit kind of better 
for some reason it kind of like did this like oh this is really terrible and it's vanity press and horrible like you only do it if you can't hack it as a writer to like this other thing so I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna skip it nobody's gonna buy this book anyways they all say that they don't want to even see a submission for it they would tack on a little, but I guess if it's good, maybe I'll read the submission. And you're <laughs> like, oh, great. I'm like so jazzed that you're excited. So I was like, this is very low risk. I can start a publishing company, put out the book, and if it tanks and these agents and editors are correct and nobody actually wants anything post-Twilight in this genre, then no harm lost. I publish under another name and start submitting a different book. This isn't going to be the last book that I'm ever going to write. This isn't my only idea. But I was like, I have this book. I should do something with it. And it could turn into a series. And it ended up doing quite well. So, um, and I like, I ended up liking all the control that came with being indie. So that, that ended up being a good fit for me. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to go back a little bit there. You kind of mentioned like the control that you have, like being an indie author. And I think yeah. a lot, like sometimes authors can go a bit overboard like with that kind of control that they have. So like you've obviously got this like mega successful series, like it's still ongoing, I think. Uh-huh. Like how have you managed to balance like the control and like to keep it a high standard and like still on track without losing sight of your original vision? Right. It's it's difficult because, you know, some authors are they they get some success and they are in control of their own schedule and they're like, well, I'll just put out four books a year or five books a year. And some authors can keep up the quality with that. I just know I can't. I can write three books in a year and that's kind of it for me. It's just everybody writes at a different speed and you kind of have to know your own speed. But it's also how much work can you do in balancing that for the publishing side? Because when you are indie, it's two different jobs. You have to it's a whole publishing business that you have to run and treat it like a business with a business plan, business model, deadlines, that kind of thing. And then there's the writing creative side. And so you have to be in control of that. And then also the marketing, all that kind of thing, which authors always have to do. Publishers, no matter if you're doing it yourself or a big publisher is doing it for you, you have to build your own social media and do kind of your own marketing for your book. So that was going to happen regardless. So I just tacked on that little bit of publishing business that I had to do. So, yeah, but that's, I think knowing yourself is, is the key. Last fall, I, I were, I write for a newspaper in Salt Lake city and Mm -hmm. I did this whole feature on self-published authors I think it was published in January, but I was working on it last fall. Anyway, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about like the whole indie publishing thing is that at the same time, that level of control lets you experiment with so many different things. Mm -hmm. I spoke with authors who, for example, were writing like 10 books a year. It's insane. (laughs) I don't know how they keep up with it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was amazed at how they were like these just these writing machines. The one woman I spoke with, I think her book series was going to have 81 books by the end of it all. And she was making like six figure, six figures, which obviously is not the norm in, well, just publishing in period, right? Most, most writers, even traditionally published, aren't going to make that much. But I'm just kind of curious, like, what are some (laughs) of the benefits and things that you, you've been able to gain by having all of that control? 
I like being in control of like what I'm going to write next, um, trying different genres. It was always super fun. I tried writing another series with another author. We switched off a little bit, which was fun. And, you know, I can, I can do that. I can decide, you know, that I want to write a horror series or something else. And I can do basically whatever I want creatively, which is amazing. I also get control over my covers, which I love. I love like finding new artists and going on um, online, finding different concept artists and stuff that, that can, can create some really great covers. I think that's one of the things that, that I love the best and that some indie authors might struggle with. You have to really know what a good cover is and not. So that's, and, and um, spend some money, be prepared to spend some money on a cover, but I love, I love having that control. So, um, but yes, 10, 10 books in a, in a year is, is like insane for me. Did, was she writing smaller books? Um, I think they were smaller. I think she also was teaming up with some other writers to do it, yeah. but also that was, she was a stay at home mom. Um, yeah. so I think that gave her a little bit of flexibility as well, mm-hmm. yeah. but I, it's still, even still, that's incredible <laughs> to, yeah. to write that much. Definitely. A lot of, a lot of words. It just depends on the author. I, I can do three books a year, but my books, I, I can't write short books. I don't know what's wrong with me. I tried to write this last one. It's short. I was like, I'm going to be done at like 50,000 words and like 80,000 words later. I'm like, oh, about that. I also kind of had that problem when I was at university. I had to do a 10,000 word. My dissertation was to be 10,000 words. Yeah. I, th- I got to 80,000 and I thought, right, this is getting a bit, <laughs> a bit out of hand. <laughs> I need to put this back a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. You get into the story and the characters, and then you you know it's it's so nice to get lost in in the words and everything else. So that's really it's good, right? Absolutely. Well, there's still a lot of ground to cover with Eileen, including tips for other indie authors. We'll have that for you right after this break. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstack. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. I'm curious to ask you, because it sounded like when you were trying to get that first book published, you, you were running into that that problem where people were saying, well, we already have Twilight, right? Yeah. Um, it seems to be that trends could maybe make it harder for people to publish a certain book, but also maybe in some ways it could be helpful, right? Because sometimes maybe the audience is demanding more books like that. Yeah, I think that's exactly, you know, there are two sides of that coin. It can make it really hard to get, you know, traditionally published when you're writing something that like, um, kind of the powers that be in publishing see as something that's a, already a passing trend. But it really worked for me because 
the the audience was still there. So I had a built-in audience that was hungry, hungry for more books of this type. And um, and so I kind of slid right in there with, you know, I got a good cover made and and got it edited and everything and got a distributor and was able to to really take advantage of that lull in the publishing, the traditional publishing world. But I think you know, a lot of authors, when they're starting out, um, try and write to a trend. And I think that's really difficult. Like you should write what you love, um, not necessarily what you know, because that's the cliche, write what you know, but I don't, I'm never going to know what it's like to travel to space, but I love that. <laughs> so you got to write what you're loving, what you're passionate about. And, you know, you never know that trend that you that you're, you think you're out of sync with, you could be starting the new trend or you could have a built-in audience of all these readers that want that. So, so I kind of don't, don't listen to the trends as much clearly because they told me that that trend was past and <laughs> I, I was too late, but that wasn't the case. And with trends working like the way they do in publishing, it's like, I think it's always said like two years between like writing a book and publishing a book is kind of like the standard thing for an established author as you're saying like you could be writing something and two years later it's not the trend anymore but it could still be a really good book but also you could have written something for a few years and then by the time you're getting it published the trend's just started and then all of a sudden you get lost in the shuffle yeah like so obviously trends shouldn't really matter of course at least books should be weighted on their own but like obviously they aren't sometimes it's it can be kind of difficult you know I just, I just find it dangerous to try and write for a trend because it's going to, it's going to pass. The trends come and go. It's very cyclical, as you said, very cyclical. So you can't predict you're not a fortune teller and they're not either. They might like try and push a trend or notice something, but I mean, they don't know. They're not fortune tellers over there in New York. (laughs) I feel like one of the cool things about independent publishing as well is that you can publish things and find an audience for things that maybe just never will become like a quote unquote trend, right? It it can be very niche in that sense. And I'm kind of wondering if you can talk a little bit about that as well. Do do you find yourself writing sort of niche books or or do they appeal more to the the mainstream? Because fantasy and sci-fi can be, it's a pretty broad umbrella, right? But you might be specifically writing about like werewolf romances or something. I don't know. Yeah, it it you know, it's funny. I thought I was writing pretty niche. I was like, I'm going for like this one kind of nerdy girl that's like me. I'm like, I want <laughs> like this, you know, this one type of reader. Um, so when I set up Ink Monster, uh, my publishing company, I was like, that's what I'm reading for. And I set like this this is my my goal is to hit these people that want strong female protagonists, a hint of romance. Um, a lot of people kicking ass, like, yay, at the end, everybody wins, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, I'm going for this one set group. But it ended up like a lot of my readers, I thought it was all going to be teenage girls. And it ended up being like adult women and adult men who always surprise me. Um, I have a few readers that they're, you know, they're adult grown men that have read it, you know, five, six times the whole way through. So, I mean, I think once you have, you can write for a niche and that can get you your initial audience. But then as you grow, I think if, if your story and your characters are really great, then it starts to grow your, your audience builds and it grows and it then like kind of 
that niche kind of disappears. But I think having that built in audience and going initially for something super niche that helped me build, build a fan base and reader base. I did want to ask because you are a best-selling author and that's obviously exciting. Congratulations on all the success. <laughs> um, how did you kind of reach that point? Because especially I think in, there are so many people who do independently publish and they might sell like 50 books in, right. in the entire book's lifetime. How did you get to that point? Sort of what, I guess, what tips would you give somebody who's considering independent publishing? I really believe in a series. So, um, I think that was really key for me was having a series and building on that. I, I released them six months apart. I feel like, in, especially in this like era of binging everything, having your releases at least initially at six months max apart. So if you're planning on releasing a series and you want to like break in and you have this kind of built in audience, then if you, Write ahead, even if you know you're a slow writer, write like three books ahead and then release them one, two, three. Like that's really great. I think my, you know, first, my first book in the series, the first month sold like, I don't know, like five or 600 copies. The second, the second book came out six months later and it it was like, I want to say like 3000 or 4000 the first month. And then the next one, it I got a book bub for book one and then the next book that came out and I hit the USA Today list. And now I've, it's just kind of snowballed. It's funny. I just did a, a promotion with iBooks for the first book in the Alpha Girl series, Becoming Alpha. It popped up to number two in the YA chart. And then over the course of, you know, the next, two weeks, I saw all the other books go up to the top. So it's really fun to like watch all of the books and you're like, oh, now they're (laughs) reading this one. They've hit this one. (laughs) They're just reading through, binging through the entire series. So it kind of just snowballs. Um, And, you know, I went from like, you know, the, the very quickly, crazily enough from 600, the first month of the first book to, you know, hundreds of thousands of books sold. So it just kind of, it, it goes very quickly. It's incredible. Yeah. Going back to the actual like, writing, uh-huh. like, and I, I touched on it earlier that I was doing the creative uh, dis- uh, dissertation at university and you had yeah. mentioned that becoming alpha kind of grew from a, your MFA yeah. uh, thesis. So like, what was that kind of like? Like, did you write that for the class or did you take it like to the class? So if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I went to Seton Hill University for my MFA. Um, It was a low residency program based out of Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Um, And so what that means is we would go to campus for a week of intensive classes and writing, and then we'd leave. It's a a program built um, by professors that have doctorates in writing and English, um, but also are published authors. So um, it's built to get you to that level where you can be like a professional author. So the whole goal is you leave um, campus and for the next six months, you are submitting um, at least 30 pages a month to your mentor and critique group. 
and then they're sending it back. So like you can continue your regular life, but you've got to also be writing. You're also taking like an online class in your genre. So uh, that was really helpful. But the whole goal of the program at the end was to have a publish ready, ready, ready to go mm-hmm. manuscript, full book that could go on the shelf tomorrow. So that was really great. So that was like the goal. So the whole time I was, I was writing that book. And then by the time I got almost to the end, I had a semester left and I had finished Becoming Alpha. So I wrote, wrote what turned into Off Planet, which is my most recent release. So I wrote that as well there. So yeah. did, like, did the process like change a lot like since you've left? Or is it... Uh, yeah, I mean, so I think I had never taken a creative writing class before I went to go get my MFA. So I have literally had no idea what I was doing. I had I had finished a full book and it was terrible. Like it will never see the light of day. It'll live underneath my bed. Nobody will ever see it. It's horrible. I, <laughs> well, we've all got one of those, I think. Yeah, I think every author does. It's just like it's a rite of passage. I I showed up with it and my like my submission every writer's residency you have to bring like a small um small little submission 10 pages um and I showed up like and they were they're like this is a cliche this is a cliche the characters are flat this is horrible 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 and I was like oh my gosh I was like but I was excited I was like yay okay you're gonna help me fix all of this this is fantastic I love it give me more tell me more how terrible I am but like tell me how I'm how I can make this better this is fantastic so, um, so I learned, you know, to write. So I rewrote Becoming Alpha like a few different times throughout the process of, you know, being in my MFA. Now, when I was about to publish it, I kind of revised it one last time and then put it out. I, I've since written nine more books. So the process is much more streamlined. Like I, my... You know, I know what I need and how much plotting I need and how much world building I need to do before I jump in. And I know like where my word count is. If I've hit this amount of words and I haven't hit like this plot point, then I'm like, all right, something's going wrong. I can kind of troubleshoot really quickly. It sounds like when you were doing that program, you had a lot of support there to help you bring that book together. Do you still like, are you still part of a writing group or something that kind of helps you? Or do you feel like it's you sort of gained a natural talent to kind of figure those things out yourself oh, oh no I think every, <laughs> every writer should have like a, a team um mm-hmm. so yeah I I it was really great there are some MFA programs where it's just not you know they just they're not into like fostering talent like the writers can kind of tear each other down I went and met a, at a different MFA program I was going to go to that one and like already somebody left the room and they were like oh yeah they write this and they're terrible and blah 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 and bashing them because they were a romance writer and I was like no forget that one I don't know anything about this other program I'm just gonna show up in Pennsylvania it'll be fine but I ended up gaining this whole family this like writing community that I absolutely adore my editor is was one of my critique partners when I was in my first writing term one of my good friends that helps me out with my publishing stuff. She is also from my MFA. 
Mary Carlick, who I also publish, she's from my MFA. Like I, I maintain, I still go to um, writing workshops with them and, and uh, maintained like that friendship with, with the people that I was in there with the same, at the same time, we're, we've all stayed close. It's really great. I think that's really neat too, because I feel like there's this perception of like the lonely writer, right? Who's, who's alone. And obviously in the moment, like, yeah, it's you and the page, right? But book writing doesn't necessarily have to be lonely. It can be collaborative and, and uplifting experience for, for those who are involved. Absolutely. Um, And I, I don't think my books would be as, you know, as successful as they are without my group, you know, they, they're like, oh, but you're missing this point. This would be better. Have you thought about this? You know, um, and then you know when I'm in the middle of Act Two because those are always horrible to write. The second <laughs> act is horrible to write. In the middle of it, I'm just like, this book is never going to end. I'm never finishing it. It's horrible. You know, I have a group that I can call and be like, hey, I'm in the middle of the second, and they're just like, keep on going. Do you want to send me some pages? I'll read it real quick, and then I'll tell you. I'll tell you if you're you're in in the weeds or if you're it's going well. I'll give you. I'm like, yes, will you please read it? I don't know. I might quit. <laughs> like, yes, just send it. And then they call me back. Okay, I read it. You got some trouble spots, but keep going. Here you go. You're good. And like having that that team, that those friendships, and I do the same for them. You know, I I you know I love them. So uh, I couldn't do it without it without you know all of that. Thank you again so much for for being here with us. I think it was really enlightening, a lot of fun to talk about. Hopefully our listeners learned a little bit about this aspect of the publishing industry, you know, in, independent publishing and maybe some aspiring writer authors who are listening will have gained something from that as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope I hope they did. <laughs> um, and where can people find you and your books online? Um, they can find me at EileenAaron.com and the Alpha Girl series and Off Planet are at all major retailers. And we'll add some links in the show notes. So that way, if you're listening, all you have to do is just open those show notes and you can get to her website and her books very easily. So thank you, Eileen. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for today's special episode. Until next time. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.